Hello, my name is Christine Deeson, and I'm the CEO and founder of the Modern Artist Project. Today, I'm with David Alexander Robbie, who is currently senior artist in residence at the University of Washington School of Music in Seattle, where he's director of orchestral activities and is chair of orchestral conducting. So thank you, David, for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what what turned you on about music? Yeah, I was lucky enough to be, you know, born into a family that cared about music and there was always music around the house. So it was just one part of my childhood with everything else I was doing. Um, and after a while, I gravitated towards it. Um, I don't know. I guess I just didn't think about it too much. It was just something I really enjoyed and there wasn't that much else out there that I did enjoy. So it just made sense <laughs> to go in that direction. No, for sure. So, so basically when you think about the artistic influences in your life, who would you say uh, those people were uh, besides your family? Yeah, well, after my my mother, I think, um, you know, at first it was probably uh, my youth orchestra conductor because of the repertoire he chose that turned me on to certain things and sort of jump-started my interest in looking at scores from a conductor point of view and things like that. So that, that was actually a you know, aside from the music itself, the choices that he made sort of helped me go down that road. Um, and then um, Sir George Schulte was a big influence on me. He was my favorite conductor when I was young. Uh, so I, you know, I collected all of his recordings and I really liked all the the vigor and how he let the brass play really loud and how they were playing in tune all the time. That to me, that was something really exciting and I loved it. Um, and then, yeah. So I think at, at, at every stage of my life, there have been very strong influences that sort of change, you know, they, it's kind of like starts with family, then it goes to some teachers, then certain styles of, professional musicians and and that kind of always there was always something there it just fluctuates every couple of years or so no that this is really great uh so you mentioned about your high school teacher uh before who talked about like different types of repertoire how did how did that person connect with you and made classical music relevant to you in that way that made you want to pursue conducting? Yeah, um, so I didn't, I didn't do anything in high school. It was my youth orchestra. So I, I, I really didn't enjoy high school. So I didn't want to bring my violin to high school. I wanted school to be separate and I wanted music to be the thing I enjoyed. So it was my youth orchestra conductor. And, and, you know, I took conducting lessons with him and um, I mean, I don't think, it was anything he specifically said or did that that you know sort of 
turn me on to the music. It was just the experience of going through it and learning about it and reacting to it and practicing it and feeling it. Um, so yeah, I can't really think of any specific thing. I mean, the, the fact that he chose certain pieces was really the, the main thing. And that it's, you know, my own, what it did for me, my own personal, uh, I guess how I processed everything and what it got me to think about and what it got me to listen to. It just opened the doors um, even further. Um, yeah, I think that's, I'm not really sure if I could say that there's something that anyone necessarily said. It's more the actions and the decisions they made. That's really great. No, in regards to being able to shape your ideas and to be able to guide you uh, to where you are today. And I think that's a really great way to uh, put it is the fact that you talk about it being a process and not being something that was like, boom, immediate, like I love music. But the fact that it took multiple people, you know, you mentioned about your family being surrounded mm -hmm. by music when you were small uh, to be able to to get here. So that was really great. So how do you approach teaching with your students and being able to instill that type of passion that you experienced uh, in your life? That's a great question. Um, so I, <clears throat> as a conductor, I try to program what I think the students should be experiencing. Uh, not uh, only things that I think that for, for the ones that decide to to make performance their careers, um, of course, there are important things that they need to experience and play. But just overall, for the ones who are doing it for enjoyment or for whatever reason, I try to balance out my choices very well. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I'd like to do that I don't do because I don't think it's the right choice for where we are. Um, and then I and then I hope that some it will spark something similar to what I had. But you really can't force people to to like something or to be inspired by it. You just have to give them a bunch of things, show them what you think is great about it, and hopefully somebody will find something. You know, their antennas will pick something up and they'll they'll go with that or concepts that I talk about or any, anything that I, that I'm working on, I hope sparks some kind of interest and doesn't just become an assignment or something they have to fulfill to, you know, earn credits or something. You mentioned something really, really powerful uh, in the fact that when you think about programming, it's not just about programming for yourself in regards to what you want, what you're passionate about, but also being mindful of the level or even, you know, just being able to say, okay, well, we're here right now. This group of people is here. I want to bring them here, but to bring them here, we have to be able to do certain things to get to that point. So when you choose different pieces and when you think about you know, how you program Beethoven or, you know, Schubert, how, how do you decide that? I mean, 
one of the things that you do is you're also an editor for um, uh, a really big <laughs> compendium of orchestral works. Could you talk more about that? Yeah, well, um, programming is the more music you know, it actually becomes even harder because, you know, in, in, in the Daniels compendium, there are now 15,900 pieces and an average concert season could have like, you know, 30 pieces on it, you know, for, for an orchestra that does six programs a year, of course, the big ones that do 30 weeks, they have, they have a lot more flexibility, but when you have limited amount of, you know, minutes, and you have all this music it's it's hard it's hard to choose there's a there are a lot of factors that that eliminate certain pieces or types of pieces and you know for better or for worse sometimes it's a good thing sometimes it's a really bad thing um but but uh yeah so th there's certain i i feel like there's certain music that a young orchestra needs to play for discipline, you know, like to musical discipline um, and energy. Like Beethoven is always a good composer for that. And I, I always like to start the year with Beethoven. We didn't do that this year, but um, it helps, it helps sort of set the tone and expectations and, um, but I, you know, other than that, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about can we handle this or can we handle that. Um, I just go ahead and program things. Of course, I'm not going to do things that have like you know six horns and like two tubas and all this stuff. I can't do anything that's like impractical as far as numbers goes. But I don't shy away from doing pieces that may be considered more difficult than others. I just balance them out with other things. Yeah, no, this uh, is this is really great. Thank you, David. So when we when we think about today's age, right, with like digital media and when we think about social media and all the different types of things that we could do with it with TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, how do you feel like this has affected um music or you know, being able to introduce music to uh your students or even just in general to the public? Yeah, so um I feel like there's two sides to it. You know, one it's it it helps well the internet in general, but things like ways that you can share with people directly. You know, this kind of music is reaching a larger audience than it ever has before and that's a very good thing. Um but Sometimes I feel like uh, it's it can get a little impersonal. Uh, I don't know. Like I I I think using social media and online platforms is really an important component and tool. Uh, but I don't want to rely too much on it because it I feel like sometimes it takes the human element out of things and to me that's a little scary mm -hmm. <laughs> just as a um like I don't like going to the supermarket and using 
the self checkout because I'm not talking to, I'm not dealing with a person. Or if I go to the CVS, they're saving money by having one person in charge of five different um, counters. And I don't talk to anyone. I just go and scan my thing and get out of there. And that to me, that's impersonal. And if, and I want a little more, you know, human interaction. So if I'm, if I'm going to share stuff, I don't want to just put up a picture and say, come to this. Like, I want to actually be doing this, like speaking to people. So I think that there's a little of both. I think if you use it right, um, because, you know, it, it depends on how you use social media. You can use it to advertise yourself. Um, you could, you know, people that don't know you will see things if you use it the right way. And, you know, like LinkedIn is, should be for connecting with people in your field that you don't know already. Whereas like Facebook and Instagram are for mostly for people you already know. Um, although, yeah, that's how I like to use it. <laughs> but um, no, this, uh, is really, this is really good. Thank yeah. you. David, no. So one of the questions that I have for you is one of what with what you had mentioned, you know, this idea of this human element, you know, you, this idea of connecting with someone, even if it's like simply just connecting at the grocery store, you know, purchasing something. Uh, so what are your ideas about making it more human, even in the digital media age that we live in? Yeah. So interviews is important, but um it's it's tough um you know responding to people and if people make comments or something like that and actually personally responding um especially if it's people you don't know like if someone if i if i post a program i'm doing on linkedin and someone i'm connected to who i don't really know in person says hey great program i'll i'll engage with that person you know I won't just be like, hey, thanks, you know. <laughs> what did you like about, you know, why ask questions like what do you find interesting about it? I'm curious to know, you know, it um or even better yet, hey, were you really there? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> or are you coming like 3,000 miles to come to my concert on Wednesday? <laughs> it's like <laughs> probably not, but uh um, yeah. And, you know, the, also it would be great to be able to share performances online more often. Uh, and sometimes that's hard to do. Like our, our concert coming up has two rental pieces on it and it ends up driving the cost way up to, to stream it. And then, I mean, there's just, there's so many kinks to be worked out still in the whole idea of sharing performances. Um, and I think, so, you know, some sacrifices have to be made. Not everyone's going to make money off of, um, you know, sharing something. If if I do a piece and the rent, rental company says, well, you're going to have to pay this amount of money to broadcast it. That's kind of ridiculous because they're getting like why should we pay them for the advertisement that we're doing for them you know it's like 
I'm showing this piece off and someone's going to say, I want to do it. They'll go rent the music and do it themselves. And then people, more people will hear about that composer and that helps sales or whatever. That's what they really need. Instead of having a stranglehold on everything, there's so much music out there that, that rental companies are sitting on and they're not doing anything with it. And people aren't even aware of it because they don't do anything with it. Um, if they made it possible, if you know, if we do a piece by this composer, you can't even get a score of it. You have to beg for them to print a special one for. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of kinks to be worked out in, in sharing, um, and 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 the result that you get from sharing is going to be down the road more valuable than just getting a little lump sum of money here for this broadcast and this broadcast, because the money's going to disappear. But what won't disappear is, is that the reputation of that piece or that composer, it's only going to grow. And that's the investment that those people need to make, in my opinion. No, I think, I think that's uh, really great uh, being able to bring that to light and being able to mention, you know, the different aspects of performance that a lot of the time, you know, audience members don't really see uh, in regards to like certain parts of logistics and things like that. So when we talk about the audience uh, in regards to making classical music relevant to them, something that it's like they have to have it in their lives. Do you have any ideas of how we could connect more or connect better in that way with, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, it's it's a tricky one because everything we try to do to connect people right now, like people who are, you know, older than us or our age who are out there, everything we're going to do is we're sort of fixing the problem from the outside in. And a lot of people have tried a million different things, how we can get people more interested, you know, bring a jazz combo and put them on the front cover of your symphony orchestra program, because maybe that will get people who like jazz to come to the symphony, you know. Um, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of things you can try to do to fix it from the outside in, but the inside out is where it has to be fixed. And the problem I feel is that um, the the basic grammar of Western classical music should need should be taught, just like math, history, science, um, art, and sports in school. <clears throat> but the argument that schools have, or school systems, is that well, these kids aren't going to be musicians, so we're not going to teach them about that. But Who's going to become a mathematician who's in your math class? Who's going to be become a chemist? There's a whole class full of chemistry kids. They're taking chemistry. Why? Because they're going to be chemists? No, they're learning about the world. And the, the basic grammar of Western classical music, if we don't teach that, it's, it, it's, it's harder for someone who doesn't have that basic foundation to to be able to take in music the way you or I take it in because it's we it's part of our the language is part of our world and everyone says oh music is a universal language that's true but classical music is actually a more artificially created uh 
system of organizing tones and pitches in a in a tempered way. And there is a language. Tonic dominant is like subject verb. And if you're aware of the functions of those things, just basic, you can actually take in the sentences of music and it actually can have more meaning and how you hear it and, and it and it you feel it in an ex- expressive way. If you don't have that, you could pick out little things. Oh, I kind of like this or kind of like that. And that's fine. I have no problem with an audience on their own terms, liking what they want to like. All I'm saying is that if someone learns uh, about um, Madame Curie and learns about Shakespeare and learns about you know algebra, they also have to learn about bass clef and tenor clef. Not everyone is going to be musically literate, but some people are also not good in math and they have to take math. So <laughs> it, it has to be one of those. And if that does happen, if we are able to offer that to enough young people, the, the likelihood that they could grasp what we are talking about when we talk about music is goes much higher, much higher, even if they don't take up an instrument. Yeah. It's great if they do. But, you know, that's to me, that's fixing it from the inside out, which is much more important fundamentally because everything else is just a, trying to fix from the outside. Not that we shouldn't do that, but it needs to start from the inside. No, for sure. I agree with you uh, in regards to being able to have it be a part of the structure, more part of the structure in schools. And I know for a fact, at least with the students that I work with, some of them start not doing great at school, right? But when they start picking up an instrument, I actually noticed and have gotten comments that, whoa, you know, uh, he's getting A's. I don't know how that happened, you know, and, and, you know, type of thing. And it's, it's great, you know, to see how aspects of what you talk about, you know, this idea of, you know, being able to become more musically literate, to be able to be, you know, uh, participating in like, it's a community activity also. Uh, Yeah. I I, I do remember in elementary school having a recorder on the armrest or a little tiny marimba. Um, Who's doing that anymore? You know, and if you can extend that a little bit, a few more years, that, that's the basic grammar. I mean, the difference is there you you could go into orchestra or a band with an instrument, or you could just be in that music class. Like you go to gym, you go to uh physics, you go to music, not just an elective or an after school thing as an extra, it's part of the education. Um I never so I mean, when you grow up with a language. The grammar is obvious. When you don't, you 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 have to piece it together, you know. And that's exactly what happens with 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 uh, Western classical music. If you don't have the grammar, you piece it together, and then you like certain things. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's you can get so you you can like convince everyone what they're missing if they actually get that. No, for sure. No, this is no, this is really, really great stuff here. And it's really relevant to today 
I think also too, to add a little bit more to what you've mentioned, you know, the idea that it's not just about, you know, having knowledge of music, but also to developing soft skills, you know, being able to learn how to communicate in a kind way, in a professional way, um, with other people and being able to inspire joy. And I think that's something that's also really important, especially in today's age. Um, we're looking post pandemic, you know, we're, we're still picking up, you know, pieces of, you know, everything that we've done. And, you know, we're still being resilient, uh, being able to go through all of these things and being able to try to inspire this uh, within the people that we work with every day. So when with your students, uh, the students that you work with in the orchestra and, you know, just in general with young professionals that you you work with, how do you think they could be helpful in making music more relevant uh, to to uh, audiences, but also uh, in the sense of making an impact despite the problems we have with institutions yeah well first of all i think on an individual level somebody has to feel a spark you have to feel a spark that's like we you know you can't just look at people and say that person is going to be sparked by this and this person sparked by that but when they are and they're encouraged to share that be uh ready to share and willing to share those feelings that you have and not just gosh i really like this and i'm just going to hold it in here um spread spread the joy you know um it's a very, you know music is very personal to each of us how we feel about it how we feel about it in general how we feel about a piece of music and that feeds into how we um, share that with others. So it's, it has to be, it has to start from that level. If you feel really strongly about this, like when I was in college and I loved Bruckner, I would bring my friends over and turn the volume up and say, you're going to listen to this because this is great. And then everyone enjoyed. So that's the kind of thing. It's like that sparked me. And then they started to like it. I think about the things that I've shared with people that I care about and how that's how that's helped them learn about more things and go in, in their own and and they don't feel the same way I do nobody does but they get that spark so um the, finding a way to share with genuine joy and and if you if you care about what you do it's going to come across that way anyway and then those people will hopefully pick up some of that stuff it has to affect if it doesn't affect somebody there's nothing you can do you can you can show as much care and 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 expression and feeling and how much you love something and somebody may not agree but you have to show it to them and if they do, that's where the spark happens, and that's where the sharing happens. No, that's no, that's really, I, that's very beautiful. That's very beautiful. Thank you. 
So basically, it's one of those things that when we think about, you know, institutions, how we can instill that in in students, even in children, being able to say this is part of the curriculum as you would have in math, science, reading. Uh, These are tools that you need to be able to uh, be able to learn about the world. Right. But then also to being able to say, okay, well, you know, even with some of the problems that we have within school institutions, Uh, early on for kids, it's a matter of like doing exactly what you had just said, being able to say, here's Bruckner. I love Bruckner. We're going to listen to Bruckner and you're gonna love it. (laughs) You know, know, being able to share that. And I think that's, that's a really beautiful thing of being able to, um, you know, transmit those passions through, you know, social interactions. And that's something that's really, really powerful. So uh, thank you, David. Uh, That's all the time that we have for today. And uh, thank you for joining us and sharing your experiences and thoughts with us. We look forward to seeing the amazing things that you continue to do uh, for your students and and for classical music. Thanks, Christina. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today.